Hi, this is Diane Cairo, and I'm with Caregiver Relief. Today, we have Betsy, our podcast host and contributor, a caregiver coach, dementia care specialist. Betsy has her own podcast with Betsy, and she is the admin for the Facebook page, Kick Alzheimer's App. Uh, Betsy, I'm so excited to have you here with me today. We're going to have a very uh, good topic on how to prepare for a doctor's appointment. Thank you, Diane. Always a pleasure to talk to you because we're like kindred spirits. <laughs> we really are. Yes, so many people, Diane, because you worked as a nurse, but we go to a doctor's appointment. I want to ask the audience, are you ready when you go to a doctor's appointment? Do you take a notepad? Do you have someone with you to help you understand if you need that? Give your questions written down. I want to tell the audience, your average doctor has a, maybe 15 minutes a person. You have your questions ready. You have to be prepared. Know what you want to ask. And have someone with you. Ask the doctor. You could even record the answers so that you could remember later on. It's very important to write down your concerns, any questions about if it's for yourself or someone else. Also, Diane, as far as like telemed, which is now very big due to the pandemic, and it might continue afterwards, but still have your questions ready and be ready for your appointment. Make sure you can have a good connection and be dressed. <laughs> Don't be naked, especially the telemed. Have your medications right there with you in case they ask you what medications you're on. And know your uh, history. It's so important. When you know, the doctor gives you bad news. Nobody wants to hear bad news. And it's a shock when you get bad news. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to call them up and ask, can I speak to a doctor I didn't understand? Or if you see the nurse practitioner, because now you're seeing a lot more nurse practitioners. And a doctor's practice because doctors are four or three between them. And it's, that's only going to get worse. It, it's so important to be prepared. It saves time. Just write down what you want to discuss with the doctor. Changes in your loved one. If it's your loved one, changes in yourself if, if it's for yourself. You know, one of the things I want people to understand is if you have Medicare, Medicare only pays for a 15-minute visit. That's why doctors are stressed and pushing to go to the next patient. There's not much a doctor can do in 15 minutes. I really take offense to this, but it's, it is what it is right now. We are working with a low reimbursement. So doctors, in order to pay the staff and meet all the requirements. So it, it behooves everybody to be prepared. I think one of the things you have to do is is decide what you're there for, what your list of concerns are, and you have to prioritize them. But don't spend a lot of time talking and, and say, oh, I have this and this. Be very concise and specific so that you get the biggest bang for your buck. I think that's really important. Are you having some issues about your treatment? Is it affecting your daily life? I think one of the things every patient that sees a doctor should do is once a year, go over all the medications and ask, do I need to stay on these medications 
can I take away any or decrease the amount? Because as we get older, that becomes an issue as far as our body detoxifying and our kidneys cleaning everything out of our system. Uh, so there are things, and everything you take has a consequence whether it's a vitamin or even a, an herbal tea. We don't know how our body's going to respond. I also think people need to plan to update their doctors on what's happened to their health. If you've been into the ER or you saw a specialist, let your doctor know. If you've had changes in your appetite or your sleep or your energy or vision or hearing, you need to address that as well. And I think that's really important. Yes, yes, that's very important. I agree, Diane, because doctors are not mind readers. Some people think they are, but a doctor doesn't know what your problem is, your difficulty, unless you tell them. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. And this is why communication is important. I never knew that about Medicare 15 minutes because I don't have Medicare. Yeah. And it's still only 15 minutes. You know what? The reimbursement yeah. rate is so low. Doctors are really challenged right now. That's why we're losing so many doctors and specialists. Because they can't meet the requirements of the paperwork and all the government hoo-ha that they have to go through to pay the staff. That's a whole nother ball game. If you're going to have changes in your health or insurance, you need to notify the doctor. But here's something I have an issue with many clients is make sure it, if you wear glasses and a hearing aid, wear them to the doctor's office. Yeah. Or if you're a person that is having a hard time with hearing or seeing, you got to say, hey, slow down. My hearing makes it hard to understand. And people that can't hear don't want to acknowledge that. But it's detrimental to their health. And yeah. don't hesitate to tell the doctor or somebody like me, hey, man, slow down, speak slower. <laughs> because yeah. sometimes we fast. And we also have doctors that aren't foreign speaking, so they have an accent. And if you're hard of hearing, it can be a challenge to understand what they're saying. So don't be hesitant to say, hey, I'm having a little hard time here understanding everything you're saying. Could you speak slowly or can you record it? Have, a, have somebody record it or write things down for you. Yes, and I think a lot of times people are hesitant to ask a doctor to repeat themselves or a nurse practitioner mm -hmm. because they don't want to seem like they don't understand. I always tell my son this. It's better to say, I don't understand. Can you please explain it again where I can understand it than to have the misconception that you do understand when you don't. Exactly. Because that it, it's your life, folks. This is your life. And you have to be diligent. I think it's also important that the, the, the people that are foreign speaking and English is their second language, if they don't have a family member, they need to either arrange for an interpreter to come to the doctors with them. Or they should, the doctors have a set up a system where an interpreter can clearly understand their symptoms and conditions and give that information accurately to the doctor. So if you're somebody who has English as a second language and the doctor is not able to accommodate you, uh, have a plan for an interpreter if you need one because it will make it so much easier. 
for you if, yeah, the, fam- if the staff knows is able to understand your diagnosis and or that you're able to understand the treatment instructions. Yeah, yes, that's very important. Not so much a problem here in my area because we're very diverse and there's just yeah. someone in the office that speaks other languages because I do live in such a diverse area here in New Jersey where they're actually now most of the doctors are foreign and it's hard to understand them. So sometimes I have to tell them, can you, you know, look at me and repeat it. I don't like it when a doctor's face is in a computer. So tell the doctor, can you please look at me when you're talking to me? Because it's important. Communication is very important during the doctor's visit. Exactly. It is. And I think no matter what age you are, it's really for easy to forget a lot of what a doctor says to you. So it's important that you do take notes, jot something down, or ask if you could record the, because that's important. Don't hesitate to sit down while the doctor's talking to you and make notes um, in the waiting room after the visit so that if you have a question, you can say to the staff, did I understand this right or did I understand that right? Uh, before you leave, it just would make it easier. And, and the thing is, I, it's so hard for people to ask, to say, I don't understand, or could you tell me what that word is? Uh, could you explain a little more to me? What does it mean? They're afraid. And then they'll go, yes, 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 when the doctor explains it again, and if they still don't understand. And one of the things they need to do is repeat back what the doctor is saying to them and say, hey, is this correct? Is this what I'm understanding? But people are so afraid to question the doctor or to waste his time when, here's what I tell my patients, my clients. I say, look, you are employing that doctor. You are paying him for his time and his expertise. You need to get the biggest bang for your buck. He's not doing you a favor. You're doing him a favor, paying him, but it's not like right. So if you look at it as you're his employer and you want to get the most out of that visit, then that's what you, that changes your perspective on things, that he's there to help you. You need to, and you're paying for his services, so get the biggest bang for your buck. <laughs> that's right. I love that. You know, a lot of times we think we don't want to upset the doctor, we don't want to say yeah. we don't understand or refuse a medication or treatment, but you are right, Diane, we are employing the doctor. And if you do not agree with the doctor or you don't want to take a medication for your own personal reasons, maybe it's not working for you, maybe you're having side effects, then you need to tell that to the doctor. And make it very clear, I cannot tolerate this medication and tell them why. This goes right back to advocacy, Diane. It's always, I think, it goes back to being an advocate for yourself and your loved one, and especially during a doctor's visit. Exactly. You know, you have to be. And I think it's hard, also difficult for People of the older generation, not so much our generation, Diane, like my mom, God bless her, she's 91. Very difficult time questioning the doctor because they were taught not to question authority. And that's not going to change. Well, the other thing is a lot of patients aren't honest. They tell the doctor what they think the doctor wants to hear and not being honest. 
they'll say they're not smoking, they're eating a more balanced diet, or they're doing this, uh, they're taking the medications, when in fact, they're blatantly not doing any of those things. <laughs> and, and the blood work and everything shows it. But they uh, have a tendency to not be honest, as if the blood work and the test results and everything are, are not going to show what, what they're really doing. The doctor will tell us, oh, you need to lose weight. But I'll ask, have you maintained your diet? Oh, yeah, I've maintained my diet. Meanwhile, they've gained weight. Their blood sugar is off. Exactly, uh, exactly. One another thing is you have to stick to the point. Your doctor deserves for you to share your point of view about the visit. If you're feeling rushed or uncomfortable or having questions about things, uh, you might want to say, hey, I'm feeling rushed, but I know you have a lot to see. Uh, can I make another appointment uh, to have another conversation about this? Or could we talk about this a little more in another setting? Whatever. It's important that you share your point of view. I go in and I tell them, look, I'm not going to take this medication that you want me to take, or I'm not going to do this, or that's not of interest to me. And I don't believe in this medication. Some people will say, I'll take it, and then they don't. It doesn't do you any good. I know here's a perfect example is statins. People either want to take them or they don't want to take them. Statins have terrible side effects that may not go away if you stop taking them, if you have an adverse reaction. So I've chosen, I'm going to be healthy and do things, but I'm not going to take a statin. I don't care. I don't want it. I don't, I, you know, do the cholesterol lowering stuff, a diet and all that. And I am good with that. I've been really good. Don't tell a doctor you're going to take it and then not take it. But then we have an issue where seniors are non-compliant with the medications because they can't financially afford to take the medications that the doctors prescribe for them as well. So, you know, they get, they get so yeah. close to that donut hole, they stop, they have to choose. Do they eat? Do they pay their rent? Or do they, uh, a perfect example, I was on duloxetine which is an antidepressant, but it was also for pain. And I was on it, and when you go off of it, you have to wean yourself off because if you don't wean yourself off and you stop suddenly, which happens with many medications, you can have terrible side effects, terrible withdrawal effects. I had a situation where I was on duloxetin and for my pain, and it was working, and I wanted to get to refill the refill was going to cost me seven thousand dollars wow yeah and i'm like wow. whoa so i tried to call the doctor i tried to get this done trying to find ways to get it i know how to find cheaper meds but i it was really a struggle by the time that i got everything worked out i had gone through withdrawal and it's terrible oh it's just terrible how you feel so I decided I'm not putting myself in that situation again. I'm not taking that damn medicine. I'm just not. I'm not going to be held hostage by a medication. So it was a choice that I made. I suffer for it because I have chronic pain and it was working for me. But you have to make choices. And that was yeah. the choice. When I found a cheaper uh, medication, of course, it's over the holidays and uh, a cheap, cheaper way to find it. The doctor's office was closed, so I, I ended up doing without, and I thought, nope, I'm not going through this again. I'm just not going to go through this again. Yeah, you brought up a great point, Diane. As I my late brother, 
the doctor wanted him to take a medication. It was $600. He said, I can't afford this. My yeah. mom goes, no, take it anyway. And my brother's like, I can't afford it. Yeah. So he told the doctor that, and the doctor said, okay, take a baby aspirin. Yep. Uh, and I had a talk with someone from an insurance company, a nurse manager, and we talked about the subject of, she says, a lot of people are non-compliant. I said, make, did you ever think that maybe they're non-compliant because they can't afford their medication and they don't want to be, but they have no choice? And I'll tell you what, I did case management for years and years, and I've always worked with seniors. And that's one of the things that, that I always address is I tell them, please, just tell me. If you can't afford something, let's work on it to find a cheaper way or, or get you on a different medication. But that is really uh, an issue that people don't uh, want to address is that they're embarrassed that, oh, I can't tell yeah. the doctor I can't take this medication. Not me, Nian. I told them. After, I, after you go through withdrawal, and I was crying and so emotionally upset, it's terrible. You can't control it. And it, it was just an awful, terrible feeling. I said, I am not going to put myself through that again. I, it's just too harmful to me. So I'd rather live with the pain and do other things, try other things, which I'm doing, alternatives, but it's not as effective. But it's the same with gabapentin. I can't take gabapentin, which is... Uh, a medication that, oh my God, I, it's just a terrible medication that for me, it makes me off balance and stuff. And they always want to give it to me, but I'm saying, nope. And then it caused me blurred vision. So I'm done with that medication, but it's just people don't understand. Now, one of the things I want to do is, is address the questions that people should ask. The doctors are going to tell you they're going to do medical tests on it, on you. And they don't explain anything to you. My husband, John, my second husband, said to me, I laughed because when I had an MRI, I, I told him, I said, no, I'm going to go in. You, you, I thought you went through all the way through the other end, not knowing that you were like in a, in a casket that sounded like trains were going. <laughs> he, he laughed at me because I said, oh, I, it, it's not going to be that unpleasant. I'll live through this thinking that I was going to be on this little thing, that conveyor belt that took me through this machine all the way through to the other end. <laughs> and it wasn't like that at all. I recently had a, a dear friend had a, a small bowel GI test done, and she had to do the barium swallow. And she got violently ill from it and couldn't believe this. And but nobody told her what to expect. So I tell people, if you're going to have tests done, ask, what, why are you having the test done? What does it involve? You know, how much? Always ask if there's going to be a copay. And, and don't be hesitant to ask, are there dangers or side effects to a test? Because, heck yeah, you have to, to know. I know for me, I can't have a colonoscopy because I have to fast for 24 hours or do the clear liquids. And I, it's, I've never been able to do fasting because I have a, a sensitive stomach and it causes a vagal response that sets me into vomiting for hours, a migraine, a heavy-duty migraine and vomiting for 10, 12 hours. When they're telling you you need to do this, I tried it. I did. I knew what was going to happen, but I thought, okay, I can get through it, and I couldn't. So I don't have colonoscopies done. It's just the reality. My body can't do it. So you have to ask, you know, about the tests, because I think people need to understand that. And you were talking about a diagnosis. When you get a new diagnosis, it's always frightening. 
I, I do have on my site a list of 10 questions that you should ask a doctor as soon as you get that diagnosis so it helps you. But you want to know, you know, what may have caused this condition or how long it will last or is it a permanent thing for you? And, it, and what are the treatment options or is it something you just have to manage with lifestyle? And what are the long-term effects? And people, you always have treatment options. I think that's important to to think about too. What are your treatment options? And you want to know about the benefits and risks. And you have to ask those questions to the doctor. A 15-minute appointment may not be enough time, but you can say, I'll schedule another appointment specifically for that to ask those questions. And I think that's a fair trade-off. We're already in the doctors a lot and we don't want to uh, be there any more than we have to. It's the reality of our healthcare system now. Yes. And Diane, I agree with you with the statins. I was on statins for a few years. I cannot tolerate them anymore. I will not. I refuse to take them. With tests, people don't know that they have a right to refuse a treatment or a test. And there is a patient bill of rights. When my late husband, he had heroids and he got them banded. I knew the gastro doctor was going to suggest a colonoscopy. I knew it. And yeah. I said, no. And this was probably 2017. And Matt was midway with his Alzheimer's. And he was, the anesthesia wouldn't affect his dementia. And I went, oh, yes, it can. Oh, uh, you know, that's total ignorance. Oh, my God. Yes. I said, oh, oh no, I disagree. And I, he goes, well, I could do a partial. And, you know, you could get Matt a enema and he could run to the bathroom. I said, no. I said, first of all, Matt would never tolerate an enema, and he doesn't run. He shuffles. He yeah. goes, oh, are you his, he complimented me. He didn't realize it. He goes, are you his daughter? I said, no, I'm his wife. <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry. I said, don't be. You made my day. <laughs> and, uh, so you have to really be forward to yourself. And you know what, Diane, this goes back to education. Yes. You have to be an informed consumer. Yes. Because you're buying a service. That, and this makes a, a really good point I'm going to bring up when you talk about dementia. There comes a time when testing, while when a person's in different stages of dementia, really needs to be addressed as far as is it necessary? What are the options if they do have it? I've told this story before, but I had a patient. I went to a, a Catholic nursing home uh, to do agency work, and they had this lady. She was a school teacher in the um, mid to late stages of dementia, and she was still able to walk and get around, but she was always smearing feces everywhere. It was just her level of dementia that she was in. I can remember they tried to take her out to do a mammogram. I'm like, are you kidding me? What planet are people on that they would send a patient who's so confused and disoriented out to have a mammogram? Not only did they send her out once, but they brought her back because she was totally uncooperative. Surprise. And then they sedated her and sent her back out again. Ugh. I, I didn't understand it because if she had breast cancer, really, 
where you're going to treat the breast cancer based on the information of her dementia. Why would you even put her through that? It made no sense to me. And, And I think that people often forget, you know, that, hey, the brain is dying. They're literally having brain cells dying. They're going to get worse, not better. And anesthesia does have a negative impact on anybody with dementia. I'm sorry. It, ha- it has a negative impact on seniors that are fine. I can't tell you how many times I have had clients. This is even when I was a young nurse. I, w- I have had patients come in. They were healthy, 90-something-year-olds that had fallen, had broken a hip or whatever. They were alert-oriented and living alone and whatever for and doing well. After surgery, they, they lost it. They weren't able to go home. It, it just, anesthesia had a negative impact on them, and they were never able to get back to baseline. Yes, very true, Diane. I even said to my husband's primary, and he agreed with me. He said, Betsy, if Matt had cancer, what are you going to do anyway? He's terminal. Yeah. You're going to put him through treatment and surgery? I said, no, I, I wouldn't. He goes, then why have it done? He said, he supported me. You just have to do what's right for you and your, and your loved one. I would never uh, put Matt through unnecessary procedures. Yes. And this is why I'm going to bring this up. It's so important to have that medical directive, power of attorney. You yep. have to have that, folks. They're going to ask for it at the doctor's office. They're going to ask for it at the hospital. You need to have that that paperwork done. It's so important. And you need to be an advocate. Yeah. It's really at the point where you have to stand up. And I'm going to make one more recommendation to people. Seniors, when you're traveling, please take all of your health history, list of medications, and allergies wherever you go, keep them on you somewhere. Uh, Because you don't know that when you're traveling that you're going to be able to communicate if something happens to you. I I have, I've created the home health care notebook. And I'll tell you what, I, I use it for myself and I use it for my family members. And I keep emergency contact information in there, a list of all my doctors and their contact information. And I have a list of all my medical conditions, in fact, any past medical conditions. What's important is if you have this information easily accessible to you, it can make life so much easier. When I go to a new doctor now, all I do is take a copy of my medical history that I have in my system with all my medications, my allergies, all that, and I just put on there, see my medical record, and I provide that. It just makes life so much easier. And if you've had an allergic reaction or an adverse reaction to any kind of medications or food, have that as well. Again, I, I also suggest when you're traveling, take that advanced directive or a pulse or whatever you have with you so that it's easily accessible to providers if something happens to you in an emergency. That's a great idea. And you could also, I didn't think about this till a guest on one of my shows said it. You can download it if you have a smartphone. So it's on your phone. Exactly. I never even thought about that. And I had a smartphone at the time, but 
it never occurred to me to put it on my phone. Yeah. Your medications and important information. As you get older, there's so many, you keep adding things to it. I know my allergy list keeps going higher and higher. And if I don't write it down, I don't remember them all. And that could be very dangerous. So it's, it's important that you have that information and you keep it updated. And it can be hard, especially if you have changes in medications, but it's really important. Yes. Yes, that's very important. I just want to throw this out there, Diane. It does not have anything to do with the doctor's office, but I do want to suggest to people. When you're Medicare age and you have to pick out a prescription program, go to your senior center. They have people there that are not salespeople that will help you. And they don't make a yeah. commission. That's how I found out about all the services that or in my community that I had no clue about. So check your senior centers. Go to your senior centers, call them, and ask if they can help you navigate Medicare and prescription programs. It's a big help. It really is. The other countries don't have the issues with cost of medications that we do because of the way our medical delivery system is. And it has to do with our government and big pharma in bed together, which is a whole nother story. But, but, but I think that we covered a lot today, and I really appreciate uh, your information. You have lived it. You've been a caregiver for forever, and uh, I appreciate that you're willing to share your information with other caregivers. You're welcome, and it's my pleasure, and thank you uh, for having me. Uh, I want people to learn from my mistakes so they don't make the same ones that I did. Except me too. That's I'm trying to help them too. Uh, for, uh, on that note, I'm going to say caregivers, remember, you're the most important part of the caregiving equation. Without you, it all falls apart. So learn to be gentle with yourself. Practice self-care every day because you are worth it. Until next time, Betsy, thank you. Talk to you you're soon. Welcome. Okay, bye-bye.